When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second series of The Human Podcast, a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. This second series is dedicated to our very human stories of grief and loss, because when you dig down into the core matter of these experiences, what you actually discover is possibly our most unobserved and uncelebrated capacity for courage, resilience and love. Grief requires an expansiveness of self that stretches us to a fourth dimension. The extraordinary thing is that we can contain it, live with it, and that somehow the human heart can hold it all. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be ignited by the fire of the human spirit. So this week we are joined by the absolutely extraordinary Lottie Bowser. On the 14th of November 2020, at the age of 30, Lottie became a widow after her soulmate, Ben, died of COVID-19 in a Mexican hospital they had courageously travelled against all odds to receive cancer treatment for a diagnosis they were told was terminal in August last year. Lottie and Ben's love, bravery and earth-shattering pursuit to save his life knew no bounds. Ben was 36. He was one of the most universally loved people on this earth. Their story was one that captured the hearts and support of thousands of people all over the world who were willing him back to health. The profoundity of his death has been felt on every corner of the planet. Lottie's story is one which tells us of the unique and quantum loss of her Ben, but it also speaks directly to the distinctly cruel and isolated process of loss and grief that millions of people around the world are experiencing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Since Ben's passing, Lottie has committed herself to laying the raw and visceral narration of her grief open and in doing so, it has provided a witness statement to these very early, wild and raw stages of grief that are normally experienced behind the veil of people's most hidden lives. So this conversation is a rare and privileged window into the very early days and weeks after loss. Lottie's story tells us of the limitless love and courage that grieving hearts can hold. So the other aspect to this conversation today is that, so Lottie and I were put in touch about 10 months ago, just after her Ben had received his secondary diagnosis with cancer um, as part of the advocacy work that I do for cancer patients through um, the Tessa Jow Foundation, my mum's foundation. And we we very quickly became very dear friends and confidants and have remained in touch very closely over this year and through the just indescribable journey that Lottie has been on. Um, so we've been very much relying on WhatsApp messages. We love a WhatsApp message, uh, voice note, um, 
you know, texts, Instagram. But this is actually the first time today that we have been together, though in a virtual way, but but face to face in some kind. So this is a very, very special and um, quite emotional meeting, you know. And but my God, it's just a real, real privilege for me to to have Lottie with us today and to for all of you really to get up close to to the just the quantum courage of this human being um so you know i i think it is just impossible and trite to ask a grieving person how they are really in any other capacity than just how they are in this moment so lottie my love how are you today Bless you. Thank you so much. That was the most beautiful introduction. It's so crazy to me hearing our story be recounted by somebody other than myself. Mm. You know, I'm kind of sat here in complete disbelief and shock that what you've just explained is the course of my life over the past year. Um, But today I've woken up feeling as though somebody is sat on my chest. Um, I find that it changes moment to moment, day to day. I just have no idea what each day is going to bring. But I'm feeling this deep, visceral heaviness and sadness today. And it's interesting for me because quite quickly I've learned that my grief comes in in stages. You often hear um, people referring to their grief as coming in these waves. Um, I'll have a couple of days where I feel relatively stable. My emotions are quite calm. Um, I think there's an element of numbness as well. I don't think our brains actually have the capacity to to carry the the raw emotion of it all twenty four seven. So to it's almost like it. a yeah, exactly. It's almost like a protection mechanism. Um, and I haven't had I haven't had one of those intense waves of of pain and sadness for a few days now so I can feel it kind of beginning to come to the surface. Now Lottie you um so it seems that just to kind of speak to this kind of unique experience that you are having but also to this the kind of bigger macro experience of of global grief that's happening Mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic you know Mm. it seems that COVID-19 has done something has done something particularly cruel, really, in the way mm. that it has disrupted and disturbed um, the way that we can instinctively respond and interact with mm-hmm. with death and dying. And, you know, not only how we can physically be there with loved ones at the end of their lives, but also how we can then, beyond that loss, follow the normal rites of passage after they have died. So, you know, which are all so vital for, mm. you know, um, the grieving process, you know, down to the way that, that bodies are, are are laid to rest, to the way that mm-hmm. funerals can be experienced, um, and then to the way that we can access and then have our networks of support around us. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that people are being forced to grieve in isolation, not only are, are all of those things beyond painful it also in the moment it also I think makes it much more kind of complicated um it, it makes grieving more complicated and I, and I know this is something that you have spoken a lot about mm. and um I wondered if you could just kind of speak to your experience of this for us a little bit absolutely um so rewinding back to March of last year this was when Ben had his second diagnosis of recurrence um He was diagnosed with a really rare and aggressive type of soft tissue cancer called sarcoma back in July 2019. And I think we were two weeks into lockdown when this second diagnosis came around. And um, because Ben's cancer was in his lungs, we had to shield. You know, there was no other option but to try and protect him because we didn't know what the consequences would be if he was to contract COVID. whilst you know dealing with tumors in in the lungs um affecting the respiratory system and he had his surgery he had a partial resection from of some of the tumors in his left lung in may and he spent those two weeks in hospital completely alone 
Um, and that was like our introduction into, you know, how the pandemic affected cancer treatment. And Ben had a series of hospital hospitalizations over the summer. He was undergoing a really intense chemotherapy regimen. Um, he would have to attend treatment by himself. Obviously, when he was in hospital, he wasn't allowed to have any visitors. And then fast forward to winter to November, when he was rushed into ICU, having actually contracted COVID and having developed a very serious, severe case of the disease, he was intubated and kept in isolation um, over 24 days. And the regulations were slightly different in Mexico. They did actually allow myself and a couple of Ben's family members who flew out to to be with me and to support Ben. Um, they did allow us to go in on a couple of occasions, but we were completely kitted out in PPE, you know, the hazmat suit, the um, plastic shoe coverings, the latex gloves, two layers of them, in fact, um, hairnets, goggles, face mask, and, um, you know, our time was very limited. I think I must have spent 30 minutes with Ben over the course of those 24 days. Um, and since his passing, you know, the, the COVID diagnosis that Ben had added a whole other layer of complications to, to the process of trying to get him repatriated. We weren't actually allowed to repatriate him. Um, he had to be cremated in Mexico. Um, and since then I've, I've been, I've been isolating, you know, we went straight into a lockdown the moment I got home. We did have a very small funeral service for Ben with 30 guests. That was the limit. But we were all socially distancing with masks on. We couldn't embrace. And of course, instinctively, that's what you need. That's what you, you know, we need human connection in, in times of tragedy and in times of insurmountable pain. And, and that hasn't been available. And it also wasn't available to Ben, you know. And this is something that I feel so devastated by that Ben's last months were spent in isolation and in fear of the virus. And, you know, what has since transpired is that that fear was incredibly valid because whilst he was dealing with stage four lung, lung cancer, um, he was incredibly compromised and ultimately COVID was what, you know, he passed away from. For me, having navigated a terminal cancer diagnosis throughout the pandemic, so much of my pain in the wake of Ben's death is for mm. his isolation and for his fear surrounding the virus. The fact that he had to shield and experience the last months, weeks and days of his life completely alienated from the rest of the world, let alone his close friends and family. I think he must have shared a handful of hugs with his family members over the course of those, those eight months from his diagnosis of recurrence to his death. And that is heartbreaking for both sides, you know. So many of his friends missed out on opportunities to spend time with him and they'll never get that back again. Um, and it lights a fire deep within me to know that there are other cancer patients navigating their, their illness and their treatment alone, you know, having to go to hospital for treatments, for, for complications that they might be experiencing mm. alone. And I wish that something could be done about that to ensure that every cancer patient who is already in pain, not just physical pain, but emotional pain, who is already incredibly vulnerable, so that they have a companion. Mm. There's been so much collective grief this past year. You know, we know that every day people die, but it's taken centre stage in our media. You know, we've had daily, weekly, monthly death toll figures 
just a constant barrage of disease and death and suffering and grief. And it's been so visceral and so all-encompassing and it's really cracked me wide open. I'm, I'm quite an empathetic person anyway. Um, I'm quite sensitive. I do feel people's pain deeply. Um, but having experienced my own world-shattering, devastating loss, I feel so much more attuned to this collective pain that so many of us are experiencing. And grief is impossible enough to navigate, let alone when you're navigating it during a global pandemic. It's made things so much more difficult from the just because it's robbed so many of us of the rituals surrounding death. It's robbed us of the chance to honour the person that has passed away with funeral services, with memorials. It's robbed us of the fundamental need for human connection something that we need at the best of times for our sense of well-being, something that we desperately need when suffering a loss. And I feel so deeply for everybody who has experienced death of a loved one over the last 10 months. Um, it's stripped us of, you know, dignity and and connection and healing that is so necessary in order to actually survive grief lottie well have you you've you've really started to tap into something so important um in relation this this thing around um just how important just basic human connection is when you're mm. grieving and i and i know that i i really felt that um you know it's it can it really is the tonic Mm -hmm. in moments when you're just feeling beside yourself and and what I can see is that you know what's really extraordinary about what you've done Lottie is that in the absence of having the kind of real human the 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 the, the, the access to have real kind of human interaction you've you've managed to translate um a lot of this kind of connection through what you're doing in your social media but for me I think it's one of the very very beautiful and brilliant things that social media has kind of revealed mm. itself to be able to do you know it's about providing it can be a place that can provide witness to experiences mm -hmm. that so need to be witnessed particularly at a time when connection in a real human sense is so impossible mm. Mm. and um I, I you know I, I wondered how how you know I'd just love to hear your 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 thoughts on that yeah it's it's interesting because I am um... You know, when it first happened and I was feeling all of these crazy, visceral feelings and the words would just pour out of me. And there was an element of, you know, concern and hesitation in, in, in sharing such deep, deep pain, you know, and ex ex exposing that. But I've also realize that grief is a universal experience and and just because you haven't experienced it yet you know it doesn't mean that you won't it is part of what it means to be alive mm. we all will encounter loss at some stage in some capacity and I very quickly realized that not many people are talking about this, you know, and I don't think it's historically been that's that acceptable to to lay bare, you know, the depth of your pain. We kind of try and, you know, box it up and push it down and, and, and keep it quiet. And um, I feel a sense of duty in a way to to speak about it in the hope that in doing so, I give other people permission to also be honest about how they're feeling. You know, the amount of women who message me to say, gosh, you know, what you just shared, I, I feel it. 
I feel it. This is exactly what I'm going through myself. And yet I don't feel safe to express myself, you know, and I just think that's such a shame. We need to get better as a society at holding pain and bearing witness to pain, you know, and the just the nature of social media i don't i don't think that you know it really allows for that um in a world of selfies and filters and and highlight reels um and whatnot but you know we we need it it's it's so necessary and there's so much healing that can be done as you said um when we do give people the space to be honest about their experiences there's a, f- a phrase I heard you use at the that was that your your experience of grief had kind of cracked you wide, cracked you wide open, completely. And, and it mm. made me think of this really, really brilliant quote that um, Francis Weller speaks about in his brilliant book, um, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. I don't know if you read it, but no. it's it's oh my god, I'm, I'm going to get you a copy. It's it's so amazing. Oh, anyway, he you. says so many amazing things, but one of mm. one of the things that he says, which I think really speaks to this, is he says. Our broken hearts have the potential to open us to a wider sense of identity, one which is capable of seeing through the partitions that are segregated self from world. Through grief, we are initiated into a more inclusive conversation between our singular lives and the soul of the world. And Amazing. it's like, and and it, and it does do that. Mm. You know, I had some so, so my my experience of 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 death and and grief happened almost simultaneously was almost simultaneously overlaid with my experience of becoming a mum so Mm. I gave birth to my daughter and then when she was um 10 and a half weeks old my mum was handed basic a diagnosis which was basically a death sentence overnight and then Mm. that first year of my daughter's life was you know I had my mum in one hand and my baby in the other arm and that's what that year that's what that year was and I and I remember feeling when I was giving birth at the moment at which child childbirth gets you to this point where you just think you cannot fucking do it, um, I suddenly had this incredible sense in that moment of being connected to every single mother, present, past, wow. every. It was the most. It, mm. Honestly, it was a, it was a transcendental experience, Absolutely. and it was imagine. like I suddenly felt this connection to every birthing mother in that moment, every mother that had ever ever been every mother that will come and it just created this like absolutely like kind of cosmic groundswell of like energy Mm, that I could mm -hmm. do it it was so incredible and it was it was with with that thought in mind that you know pushed the whole thing over the edge and and (laughs) seconds later my daughter was born but in a similar way I when my mum died which was only 15 months after that I had a profoundly different experience of of death and grief. I felt so alone in this thing, which is as ancient and as a certain mm. thing about. I mean, is the only certain thing about living life, mm-hmm. you know? From exactly, but yeah. I couldn't have felt. I couldn't have felt more differently. I felt so alone in it, mm. and um, and I think you know this this thing around. The connections, but then it was once, you know, you start to talk to people and then you suddenly realise like, oh, most people I know have been through a really big bereavement. I didn't know about that about you. Oh, I didn't Mm. know that about that person. Mm. It's like, of course, our losses are not all who we are, but Mm -hmm. they are, they become a huge part of who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when it's a loss of somebody that was so integral to to your life, you know, who was at the center of, of your day-to-day existence. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to know, um, I was reflecting upon this the other day and there is like, you know, when, when you experience a loss like this, it's a defining moment in your life, right? There is a before and there is an after. And I guess, you know, I'd had some hardship in my life, I, I had experienced some trauma, nothing on this scale though. And losing Ben just blew me wide open to human suffering, you know, what it actually means to suffer. And it's part and parcel of being a human being, you know, we all 
experience this pain. We all experience suffering. And I know for some people, they've actually turned inwards after this kind of loss. You know, they've needed to be introspective. They don't feel that they have the capacity to connect with others and to hear about other losses and other people's pain. But for me, um, I've actually found that to be incredibly therapeutic in a way, um, to know that I'm not alone in my experience, you know? Um, and I think it's not, it's not a distraction, but it does take the, it does take the focus off your own pain, even if it's just momentarily, you know, if, if I can hold space for somebody else to share their experience of loss with me, and if I can offer them even the tiniest shred of comfort, then it's a mutual exchange. Mm. You know, it's, it's yeah. giving something to me as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, Lottie, I, I, there was something else I wanted to talk to you about, which was that um, I, I know from my own experience that in the kind of, in the immediate days and weeks and months after my mum my died, um, my mind and my thinking kind of lent into this very instinctively into this kind of world of magical thinking mm. about where she was. And it was more just a feeling of where she was now. And for me, it was that she became the space between kind of every, every living thing, you know, mm. and I had, had this vision of, I, I could almost like see her as the space between like molecules of twilight and light. And mm. there's this beautiful, beautiful C.S. Lewis quote where, um, in the book, a grief observed where he's describing that his wife, you know, she's like, it was like, she was like the sky now, she covered everything. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I felt that so, so profoundly when my mum died and I, and I could, and I could really see that in some of your writing mm. about Ben, um, particularly in those weeks when you were still in, in Mexico. And, um, I was just wondering if you could, you could kind of speak to that a bit more for us. Mm. Yeah, it's, I had a, the first couple of days after Ben died, um, I was essentially experiencing my life outside of myself. It was a completely out of body experience. And I distinctly remember this feeling of being awake and having my eyes open, but all I could see in front of me was Ben. You know, so I would focus my gaze on a passerby or a tree or the ocean or a cloud. And all I could see was Ben. And it was such a all-encompassing feeling. You know, I he was in the air that I breathed. Um, and it's it's soften slightly now you know as the days and weeks and months are passing um but 
to me, there is so much comfort, you know, in this idea that he still exists in some form. And I really believe that. I I know it to be true. You know, you, I mean, Albert Einstein said that I don't actually remember the exact words, but something about the fact that, you know, we are more energy than we are matter. Mm. Right down to a subatomic level, there's more energy there than there is, you know, solid matter. And energy cannot be destroyed, right? It just changes form. So even though somebody sheds their physical body, I believe that consciousness exists beyond that. I just, how could it not? There's so much that we don't know, you know? Um, There's so much that we can't see. There's so much that we can't hear. There's light waves bouncing around all over the place. There's sound waves bouncing around. You know, the experience that we have with our senses is actually very limited. So... Of course, of course, there's something beyond this. And I take so much comfort in, in believing that Ben is, is here in some capacity, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, you're just, it's just, I mean, grief is just so, it's so existential. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it is, and it is like going into a, a kind of wormhole where time and space kind of explode and collide Mm. and you know truly the fabric of your being and of your reality are never the same again and no you know and but what I've discovered in in that space which I know you have too Lottie is this thing where in grief when you know time and and space get pulled apart the the place that we can always reach each other through through that dimension is through this portal of love right mm, mm-hmm. and how love is just the absolutely trans-dimensional thing and mm. it really is you know and there's this line in that film um Interstellar, you know that really mm, kind of mental. One space of Ben's film. favorite films. Yeah. No way! Yeah, oh my it was. God. He loved That's it. So we actually cool. watched it. We actually watched it before we went to Mexico. Oh my God, well, yeah. Lottie, I was just about to, to quote from that. We know when Anne Hathaway, there's a the line she says where love is the only force that transcends time and space. It's so beautiful, and it's, it's beautiful. true. It's true, and um, just speaking, you know, coming well. Sorry. Um, in terms of mine and Ben's relationship with one another, you know, the moment we met, it was like a coming home of sorts. You know, it was like, we've done this before. We've definitely done this before in, in, in some capacity and in, in, in a different form, in a different lifetime, many lifetimes over. And um, we always said to one another that that would be eternal. You know, it, it would last way beyond the point at which our physical forms expired and I really feel that and I I think that that love and the feeling of him being around me is what is carrying me through this time I think um that there's that saying isn't there that that grief is love with nowhere to go um and I think what makes it so painful is that you do have all of this love, all of this love to give, but the person is no longer around who you want to give it to. And that's what makes it so confusing as well, because I often have moments where I'm thinking, well, where the fuck is he? How could this person who, you know, I know what Ben feels like. I know what he sounds like. I know every last inch of his body, every last facet of his of his personality. How could it just cease to exist? You know, so that's why for me it's it's so important to hold on to this idea that he he does still exist in some form and that love will never die. So Lottie, one of the things that I think you've done really, really well is in a very honest way, is to kind of be quite clear about what is and isn't of 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 help and of service yeah. to, to grieving people and um 
I would just love for you to kind of talk to us a little <laughs> bit more about this because you know for 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 people who are absolutely in on the kind of front lines the rawest front lines of their loss mm. unfortunately we are kind of subject to a world which can only really respond to mm. us in, in platitudes mm-hmm. and in which are un, unfortunately um whilst well-intended can be quite unhelpful and um, yeah. you've done some very very brilliant and gracious work on on this kind of very <laughs> gracious re-education of the people and I'd love for mm. you to kind of tell us a bit about that yeah um oh my goodness I suppose I should start by saying that you know intention is everything right and of course anybody reaching out to extend their support regardless as to whether or not they say the right thing is doing it with good intent um and it's not their fault this is completely unprecedented you know particularly for me and my circle of friends my community we've never experienced the loss of somebody you know at 36 Ben was 36 I'm 30 um so what do you say you know we haven't had training in this one of the inherent problems that we have as a culture is this desire to rush in and to fix right we're a problem solving culture and the brutal reality of death is that it cannot be fixed right it is it is final you cannot bring that person back there is no solution there are no silver linings to this so that's what makes it so impossibly hard to support people who are grieving um i've been on the receiving end of all sorts of platitudes that while well intending have been quite hurtful actually um things that have felt invalidating, things that have diminished the pain of this experience. And just to give you a couple of examples, it will be things like stay strong. Um, Time heals all wounds. He's in a better place. Everything happens for a reason. You're young. You will find somebody else. All of these kind of things. And I think probably even me just saying that you can immediately start thinking of, of many more. And, um, I know that I'm not just speaking for myself here. Every other woman that I've connected with, every other person who's reached out to me, who's lost a sibling, a best friend, a parent, they all feel the same. You know, they feel even more alienated in their experience when somebody says something like this to them. I think the most important thing, if I was to give anybody advice who is supporting a grieving person, is to be an ally in it, to sit with it, to sit in it with that person. And when it gets really fucking uncomfortable, to continue sitting in it, you know, and to say, like, it's okay to say, this is really hard and I don't know what to say to you. But I'm going to be here anyway, and I will continue to show up. And so what have been what have been the things that have made the greatest difference for you in terms of how people have, have kind of turned up in the, in the most helpful mm. way for you mm. in the last few months? Just a lot of my friends have, all of my friends have been amazing. And, you know, I've been quite vocal from the start of what hasn't helped. I think that's one thing that I would suggest you know if if somebody experiencing grief has the capacity for that to actually communicate what it is that they need what is and isn't helpful and and hopefully you know some of my some of my work is is helping people to do that um acknowledging just how fucking shit this is acknowledgement you know acknowledgement feels so validating and then also one really important thing that i think a lot of people feel is to speak about the person that has passed, to not shy away from mentioning their name because you're fearful that it might remind the person of their loss. Like, we don't forget about it. You know, there is no on-off button. We are living with this pain 
24-7. But for me personally and for lots of other people that I've spoken to, to have the opportunity to talk about our person and to celebrate their life has been so therapeutic and healing. Mm. And it means that they matter still. We talk, you know, we spoke a bit about the things that help to kind of transmute the kind of pain and mm. sadness of grief into something that feels more, that has, that feels lighter and feels more mm-hmm. manageable and yeah. allows you to look towards the horizon and look forward. And I think purpose is, is such a big part of that. Yes. You know, having purpose is absolutely key, you know, mm. and I... And I got into the work of delivering mum's legacy. I mean, it, the, yeah, almost kind of instantly. I mean, and I, and I, when I look back now, I, I can see there was probably a slightly kind of manic need to be mm. busy. Um, and I look back now and I do, I can, I can see that, that I wasn't, you know, mm. it, 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 it wasn't, the whole of the actions of somebody who is completely in in completely good state of mind but it has become that and um mm. yeah I think purpose purpose is is huge and and so mm. important I think I think you know focusing harnessing legacy and driving that forward is, is a huge part of what does that not only mm. does it honor the importance of the life not only does it important the honor the importance of this amazing trailblazing kind of afterglow of their living it mm. also does something very practically important for mm. grieving people which is to give purpose mm-hmm. because you know after huge bereavements you it can throw into big existential questioning what what it all fucking means absolutely and I think just a very simple thing that this then gives you something mm. to focus on doing mm. it brings big you back to, it brings you back to the living yes is, it does it brings you back to the living to the land of the living yes it does and um you know purpose will look different for for every bereaved person I know that um for um some of Ben's loved ones purpose is to live as fulfilling a life as possible in the sense of really getting clear on what it is that they are passionate about and forging a path that is deeply meaningful and fulfilling Mm. to them, you know, just grabbing life by the balls and, and, um, yeah. Big fat hairy balls. Big fat wrinkly (laughs) sagging bollocks. Exactly. Um, exactly. Oh, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, purpose looks different for, for every single person, but you know, every, everyone that I speak to who is feeling so lost and as though they are paralyzed by their grief, I just try to encourage them to find, find those, find those tiny little threads, those tiny little threads they're not ropes just yet but those little things that they can hold on to that give them a sense of purpose beyond their loss mm. whether it's related to that person it could be a passion that that person had I mean Ben wanted to run the marathon so I've signed up for a half marathon I don't know about a full marathon but I can get on board with the half marathon <laughs> I'm gonna fucking do it Jess. let's be reasonable shall we yeah let's be realistic I'm not yeah. a runner um, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that on behalf of Ben because he is not here to do it, mm. you know. And I feel it. It 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 makes me feel good, you know, to to think about the ways in which I can honour his life and fulfil some of his wishes and achieve some of the things that he wanted to achieve. So one of the things that we are that I really want to do in this series is to build out, you know, almost as a kind of, as the antithesis to the kind of language of platitudes around grief, to sort Mm -hmm. of build out the language which is absolutely rich and precise in meaning and experience and translation of this this thing called grief Mm -hmm. um, as a way of trying to really bring really valuable and important contributions to to, to the language of it yeah. for our listeners and so um um we've been asking each of our incredible guests every week to bring 
bring something to the conversation in the words of another, whether it be a piece of poetry, writing, a song, some advice they were given that is that has meant a huge amount to them mm-hmm. um, to share with our listeners. And so I was wondering what you were sharing with us today. Oh my goodness, there is so much I would love to share by this incredible woman. Um, I would recite her entire book Um, front to back if we had time um, she's a lady called Megan Devine and she lost her partner nearly 10 years ago now Um, he he had an accident and um, she has gone on to do so much work within the grief space and she's been just the most incredible support um, for me from afar I don't know her but um, she's been amazing It's a quote from her book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And I think it just, it summarizes the experience of grief as something to be carried, um, something that, that cannot be fixed. While it may not always be this acutely heavy, your grief, like your love, will always be part of you. Life can be, and even likely will be, beautiful again. But that is a life built alongside loss, informed by beauty and grace as much as by devastation, not one that seeks to erase it. I mean, that is just somebody that knows, right? (laughs) She knows. She knows. Well, she again, she quickly learned just how little support there was um, that was actually literate and informed whilst she was navigating her own devastating loss and... I think this just reflects the dichotomy of of emotions that you carry, you know. It's it's beauty and it's ugliness and it's joy and it's pain all wrapped up into this human experience. Um there's like a an undertone of melancholy, you know, that you carry with you even in the beautiful moments and there have been some beautiful moments even three and a half months out of my loss you know I still experience joy I still laugh but there will always be that undercurrent of of pain for you know for losing Ben and um that's something to be honored it's something to be to be carried and I love what she says about not seeking to erase it you know, it's not something that needs to be stifled or pushed down. It's it's sacred in a way. Lottie, what does courage feel like? Mm. Courage to me feels like summoning strength deep within your being to open your eyes every morning to peel back the duvet, to plant your feet on the floor and to say yes to another day without your person. And that's what courage is. That's what courage feels like to me. You know, even even the smallest of tasks, even just getting through the day, putting one foot in front of the other takes insurmountable courage whilst navigating loss like this. Saying yes to another day. Mm. Well, I can't think of a more exquisitely perfect way to come to the end of our conversation today, Lottie. Bless you, darling. Well, listen. um, Thank you. Thank you. Just more than words can possibly say for doing this, Lottie. You know, it's, you. you know, there's no way I could have done something like this just a couple of months after, you know, what has been a life defining loss for me. Mm. So I really, really know what this takes to turn up so Mm. on behalf of all of us thank you for all you are for all you do Mm. and I just hope you know how much much it means to so many people thank you so much darling it's been a pleasure to speak to you (laughs) albeit you know the subject matter it's just it's amazing to connect um so Lottie to every episode in human we ask our guests to dedicate um, their episode and our conversation to a song to play us out and I was wondering what you would like to choose this is a song that was the second contender for mine and Ben's wedding song mm. 
And I feel that it really encapsulates our relationship. He was a music agent. We spent our lives roaming around muddy festival fields and on nightclub dance floors, under disco balls. Um, So the song that I would like to dedicate to this episode and also to the incredible human being um, that is Ben, my partner, is Stardust, Music Sounds Better With You. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And here we have it, Stardust, Music Sounds Better With You. Lottie, we love you. Thank you I so love much. you. Thank you, sweetheart. So much love. Mwah. Thank you all so much for listening if you'd like to rate review and subscribe to us on your podcast app then please do and you know the score five stars please if you'd like to come and say hello on instagram then you can find me and all things human podcast related at this is jess mills this podcast was created and hosted by me jess mills with creative co-production by bonnie tyburn and produced by joel porter at dot 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.